This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 audio and video series on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming at thegreatcourses.com or on DVD and CD or via The Great Courses apps. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including writing creative nonfiction. For this limited time, 80% off offer, go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Steve Hayes. And Steve, we've gotten the first batch of Hillary's emails. I looked all the way through them. I did not find any guns, smoking or otherwise. Doesn't this prove that she's absolutely innocent and Benghazi went perfectly? Well, certainly. I mean, there are some in the media who would who would have us believe that that was, there was literally a headline in the Daily Beast that said, "No, sorry, GOP, no smoking gun in in Hillary Clinton email disclosures." Look, nobody in their right mind ever expected there there was going to be a smoking gun of any kind in these emails. In part because these are the emails that Hillary Clinton and her team hand selected from the emails that existed on her private server, which was set up to avoid government. Uh, records retention requirements. So the idea that she was going to offer up voluntarily some email that that incriminated her was, uh, I think, fantasy from the beginning. But wait, I don't understand because I took all her emails and I did a search, gun, comma, smoking, and it didn't show up, Steve. So I, she's completely exonerated as far as I'm concerned. You know, there, I mean, it, it is interesting to look at the general media treatment of this. I mean, I think the Daily Beast piece indicates a certain mindset among some journalists who seem more in, interested in exonerating Hillary Clinton without actually taking the time to look at what the emails tell us. Um, that piece was published uh, a little more than three hours after 848 pages of emails were released. I mean, you can't really tell me that you've done a serious and thoughtful consideration of those emails and what they include in that short amount of time. But let me say this. I think there are some members of the mainstream media, I would single out Ken Vogel at Politico, um, Michael Schmidt, uh, and Nick Confessori at the New York Times, who have done a pretty serious job looking at these emails, what they involve, what they include, and have turned up things that I think are, are pretty interesting. So uh, based on what we know now, what are the interesting items that we've discovered about what really happened in Benghazi, what uh, Hillary Clinton was actually told, and what she actually did? Well, I would say there are, there are a couple different categories. The emails are, are, are interesting because of what they include. They're also interesting because of what they don't include. So we'll start with what they include. I mean, the big takeaway from all of the emails, you read through all of the emails, is that there were alarms going off in Libya about the deteriorating security situation on the ground in Libya generally and in Benghazi specifically. And Hillary Clinton's line throughout this entire controversy has been that these security decisions uh, that were undertaken took place beneath her pay grade. These were decisions that were sort of perfunctory, that were carried out by her underlings, and that she wasn't much involved in making the decisions not to ramp up security, for instance. Well, you read these emails, and it's very clear that she, she should have had an understanding of just how bad the security was. And I would argue that a responsible leader would have been pushing, wouldn't have been waiting to hear for, from people for requests for additional security, would have been pushing to provide that additional security because things 
were so bad. So the, the sort of main takeaway, I would say that that is a dominant, if not the dominant theme of these emails was just how bad the security was there. And the, the fact that, that she hasn't really taken ownership of that, I think, undercuts her, you know, the arguments that we've heard from her now for several years. Right. And if I can add something else, isn't it the case, and you're, you're on more top of this than I am, but that part of the consideration about security appeared to be, do we want to offend the allies, would-be allies, the existing government, the local, you know, in other words, the local political forces on the ground, that security took, if not a backseat, at least no more than an equal seat with politics on the ground when it came to Benghazi. Yeah, look, there, there's no question. I mean, this was a formal State Department proposed policy, a policy of quote-unquote normalization, in which the United States didn't want to be seen as having a, a large security footprint, and that you know our ambassador and other representatives and diplomats would be seen as traveling around uh, Libya in a way that didn't suggest a great American presence. And look, it's consistent with what we've seen from President Obama more broadly, right? I mean, we, we've pulled back from the Middle East. We've pulled back from, from Northern Africa. Uh, we're, we're trying not to project a, a great sense of, of, sort of American omnipresence. Um, but, but we know that the administration was eager to avoid the, the politics of this back at home, too. After the attacks, you had that email from Ben Rhodes from the White House saying, in effect, let's make clear that this was about the video and that this wasn't a failure of policy. Well, if your policy was normalization, and in part it contributed to a lack of security and a lack of uh, you know, protection for the American workers there, right. well, this was part of the policy failure. Now, you mentioned Ben Rose, but there's another prominent name that has popped up in these emails as well. Yeah, there sure is. This one who was actually not uh, permitted to be employed by the the Obama administration, and that's Sidney, Sidney Blumenthal, who is, of course, a longtime conspiracy monger and friend of the Clintons who was banned from employment for the State Department, but found a way to collect a check from the Clintons uh, anyway. Uh, uh, Ken Vogel at Politico reported just today that Blumenthal was paid $10,000 a month, wow. in effect, from 2009 to March of this year by the Clinton Foundation uh, from 2009 to 2013 as an actual employee of the Clinton Foundation and then thereafter as a consultant. So, you know, if Hillary Clinton wanted Sidney Blumenthal on her payroll, she seems pretty determined to make that happen. Uh, and was there another Blumenthal name that appeared in the emails as well? Um there was there was there was at least one article by Max Blumenthal, his son, um, that was pushing early on, pushing the line uh, about the video and trying to place responsibility for the attacks on this video. And that those those emails, that article was circulated up to Hillary Clinton. Yeah, and the I, I, I it seems to me that there's something. Uh, you know, telling about the Max Blumenthal approach that fits in with ha what Hillary told us and what she knew to be true. Am I wrong about that? No, th there is. I mean, I think there have been some suggestions in in uh, in the media, the conservative media, that that this was the origin of the idea that the right. film played a role in the attacks. I don't think that's true. I mean, Hillary Clinton put a statement out that evening, the evening of the attacks, that implied 
uh, a role, uh, implied at least that people were responding to this anti-Islam uh, YouTube video or film and, and, you know, suggesting that that wasn't justification for the violence. So early on, even before this article was written, even before anybody raised the idea of of uh, externally raised this to her, she had already sort of implicitly made this case. So where are we now as we wait for the next tranche of emails to come in, what, 30 days? Yes. I mean, there's been some uh, back and forth this week over exactly how quickly the rest of these emails were going to be turned out. Um, you know, I, I guess the, the big takeaway from this first batch is nobody had expectations that there was going to be any smoking gun, that mm-hmm. the Daily Beast headline uh, notwithstanding. And what I found interesting is that there was so much in there, um, even though these were the hand-picked emails from Hillary Clinton. I mean, you can look at the things that we've discussed. There was another um, email where you had a line redacted uh, in the official disclosure from the State Department that had not been redacted in copies of the emails that the New York Times had obtained and suggest that Hillary Clinton was interested in exploring using private security contractors to, to arm the Libyan opposition. We don't know where that went. There are all sorts of other things that aren't in these emails. Uh, the, the Benghazi Select Committee has identified long gaps in emails right. from Hillary Clinton about Libya and about Benghazi at precisely the time when one would expect her to be most focused on that, like surrounding her trip uh, over there. Uh, you know, I think missing emails that are very difficult to explain, uh, and, and at least uh, to sort of an impartial observer would suggest that they might have been withheld rather than disclosed. Well, it's hard to find impartial observers on this story, and but it does seem to be the case that the notes that you didn't play are just as significant as the ones you did, as they say in jazz circles. Steve Hayes, thanks for keeping us uh, updated on the Hillary Clinton Benghazi email and all that jazz here on the Weekly Standard Podcast. You bet. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.